You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Hey, please, if you haven't got a Bible, there should be some Bibles around. Please grab one. It's Psalm 1 and it's on page 472. Psalm 1, page 472. The two ways. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. The word of the Lord. Hi, how are you all? Good. <laughs> Better response than you, Jono. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, my name is Tibor. Uh, some of you know me, some of you don't know me, uh, and some of you are yet to get to know me. My wife and I have been here at Red Door for almost two years now, and we've been so grateful to be a part of this community. Um, such a loving, accepting, warm, and encouraging community. And the last uh, almost two years have just been a real blessing to us to be a part of his family. So thank you, guys. <laughs> um, it, this is a very re- surreal moment for me. Uh, when, I, uh, when my wife and I decided to leave our last church, the only church that I've ever known, uh, I never thought that I would get an opportunity again to stand and share the word of God Um, to do something that I absolutely love, learning and sharing what I learn with others. So it's a real privilege and and an honour to be standing up here this morning with you guys. Whether you allow me back up here is a different story. Now, we're continuing our series on the Summer of Psalms, and as I was preparing for Psalm 1 this morning, one of the things that I was reflecting on was being a dad, being a parent. Um, sorry, sorry. Twiddling this part. Is it all right? Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah? All right, cool. 
So do you have the first slide, Phil? All good. Anyway, one of the first, one of the things that I've been um, reflecting on is being a dad. Sorry, I'll stop moving around so much. And it's one of the most amazing experiences that I've had in my life. It's a, it's a real blessing to be a dad. But it's also one of the most frustrating things as well. And those of you who are parents will know exactly where I'm coming from. And if you don't, you're in denial. <laughs> my son Eli, he has this amazing ability to make me melt and make me feel, you know, those real warm, gooey kind of feelings of love. But then he also makes me feel anger that I don't usually feel. He just, he knows how to push that button to get me to feel the feelings I don't want to feel. It's okay, he is safe at home, just, just in case you're wondering. But the most frustrating thing that he does, the button that he pushes the most is it's when he doesn't listen. It's when he's not following our instructions. And I'm talking about really simple ones. Stay out of the kitchen, it's dangerous. Eli, pick up your toys. Eli, it's bath time. What, whatever it is. And what happens is, the response is, no, I just dot, dot, dot. The excuses uh, are many. Sometimes I'm impressed how many excuses he can come up with. Now, at this point, the anger is, it starts to rise within. And this is where the dynamic of our relationship really starts to change. It's when he doesn't listen, he begins to experience my unhappiness, but then he starts to become unhappy. And I truly hate the way it makes him feel, and I hate the way it makes me feel as well. And, and he says things like, Dad, I will listen, I will listen. And it's not long before he's not listening again. Not long ago, we were just at the pool, and I'm that weird guy just yelling, stop running, stop running. And what happens next? Face, face plant on the floor, bruise to the cheek, meltdown. Now, after we get over that, what do you think happened next? He kept running. <laughs> now... We might think it's only a kid thing not to listen, but, you know, especially those with adolescents will know that continues at that stage, probably worse. It's a horror that I'm still yet to experience. But even in adulthood, we, we don't always listen, do we? We don't listen to our parents. We don't always listen to our friends or other family. We don't listen to our wives or husbands, whatever. We... We always know what's best for ourselves. But there are times when people do want to listen. They, they do want instruction. Sometimes they, they want to achieve their goals. They want to build certain things in their lives. So they might seek out advice. The wise are the ones who actually seek out advice when they want to achieve something in life. Because they're looking to those who know better than them to give them instruction on how to achieve those things. So Psalm 1, it's one of those psalms that is, it's not like the other psalms that you encounter. It's, it doesn't have that emotive language, that, that crying out to God that, that you might experience in the other psalms. It's, it's not about God help me, but it's actually 
a psalm that looks like it belongs more in the book of Proverbs. It looks like it, it's more wisdom kind of language that it's using. And what you'll find is Psalm 1 is offering instructions and advice for life. And it asks the question, how are you building your life? What is the core instruction of your life? But it also points to a God who gives his instructions to his creatures. Because like most parents who want good things for their kids, So God wants good things for his own, for the ones that he created. He knows us so deeply because he designed our existence. He seeks for us to live in close relationship with him. From the very beginning, this was his goal. And he gives the first humans, he gives them instructions in the beginning on how to live. But he also draws a line for them not to cross. Now, we all know what happened. And spoiler alert, if you don't, they crossed the line. It led to a fracture in humanity's relationship with God. Now, we are designed from the very beginning to be listeners to God and to listen to his instructions because they're for our good. Now, when Adam and Eve didn't listen to God, they experienced unhappiness. They didn't experience the happiness they once did once they were banished from the garden. Now, God in his grace and his mercy towards humanity, he doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't discard humanity, but he goes on his mission to restore things to how they once were. Now, Psalm 1 offers instructions to its hearers. It points to the bigger picture in Scripture, not just what's going on in itself. It's pointing to the instruction to listen to God, to be able to experience, hopefully, the happiness that Adam and Eve once did in harmony with God. So Psalm 1, it points to two polarizing ways of living. It goes to the extreme to point out how different one way of living is to the other. And we fall into one of these categories, whether we like it or not. There's no ability to sit on the fence when it comes to this psalm. So the message is really quite simple, and it clearly points to one way that is better. And here are the two polarizing options. Godly living is better than ungodly living. Building our lives under God's instructions is better than living under my own or living under someone else's. Now, the consequences in these two matters, they are quite polarizing. They have a difference between happy or ruin. Happy or to perish. Now, depending on what translation you're using some might say blessed some might say joy perish ruin but the word happy that this psalm is talking using what it's what it's doing in its own creative way is it's using the first letter of the hebrew alphabet for happy and it's using the last letter for the word perish 
we have two very different ways of living, two very, very different consequences. So it offers us a choice. Do we be happy or do we perish? Now, my hope this morning is that we're rattled in a good way. I hope that we feel comforted and uncomfortable at the same time. We all need this reminder that we need to listen to God, that this is the best thing that we can do in life. And I think for Christians listening to this, it's almost like a duh moment. Like, really? Is this, is this really what you have to tell me? Isn't this Christianity 101, listen to God? It is, by the way. But you know who were exposed to this psalm? God's people. These are the ones who weren't necessarily needing conversion. These are the ones who would come listen and would need redirecting in their lives. They would need to reflect on their lives what it means to be one of God's people. Even in post-conversion, we as Christians, we might think that we know it all or we know something intellectually, but we may not know always as much as we think. And so we too need redirecting in our lives. We need to be convicted. We need to be changed. And this is what I'm hoping Psalm 1 does for us. So if we go into Psalm, feel free to follow with me in your, in your Bibles. Um, if we go to verse 1, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers? We are told here in verse 1 what happiness is not. It's not to take the advice of the wicked. It's not to walk the same pathway as the mockers of God's instructions, those who laugh at God's instructions, the ones who continually miss the mark and don't care about crossing the line. See, we all miss the mark too, but these are the people who don't care that they, that they go against God's way. You see, we live in a culture where we really like to build walls around our ideologies. We it's almost like an unwritten rule that you don't challenge the way someone lives. And, and if you do challenge the way someone lives, you know, most of the time you, you're not going to get a very welcome response. You know? And we might point fingers at them, but if we're being honest, we do the same thing. We don't, we don't like to be told how to live our lives. Now, what we do is we put up so many walls and what we, we have to justify a lot of the stuff that we do, right? And you hear stuff like, well, as long as I'm not hurting anyone, what's the big deal? Or others will justify others' behaviours by, well, you do you. I may not agree, but you do you. But if we barricade ourselves in our own self-serving ideologies, and we just keep perpetuating our own ways of living, we're not really going to experience true happiness. See, the Word of God challenges this idea. So we have here the word to sit in verse 1. And this is like dwelling, being in the wrong place. It's being somewhere you shouldn't be. 
Now, stick with me with this one. In Harry Potter, there is a, um, there's a scene where he ends up, Harry ends up in this place called Nocturne Alley. And this is a place that is seedy, underground kind of part of their society. No one goes there unless you're up to no good. So if you're there, you're actually seen to be no good. It's where you shouldn't be. So when he's there and he's found out by his friend, he's a surprise, what are you doing here? Psalm 1 is telling us, don't build your life like those who care nothing about listening to God. Don't build your identity in the wrong place because it's going to take you away from your creator. But in verse 2, it says, instead, delight in the Lord's instruction and meditate on it day and night. Be happy with the Lord's instruction. That's what this word delight is. Now, the translation that we're using here, it says instruction, but others might say stuff like the Torah or law. Now, we see through the law, and there's so much to actually say when it comes to the law, but we see through the law in the first five books of the Bible how God builds his people's society. Now, when we read it, sometimes it can get a bit tedious, and it looks like there are just so many rules to follow but they're not just rules. God is teaching his people who he is. He's holding up a mirror to show them who they are. And he's showing them their sinful nature. And most of all, how he graciously draws them back to him. How he forgives sin so they can live closely with him. See, God was present among his people when he was giving his law and his instructions. They were given there so that his people lived a life that reflected him in their lives. So we see there's good reason to meditate and delight in, the, in God's law because of what it represents for his people. Now, we see in Deuteronomy 6, God instructing Moses to tell the people to make God's instructions all about their lives. Where have we heard something like that before? So in Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, it says this, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. <clears throat> Remember them, sorry, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign to your hand and let them be a symbol to your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. God's instructions were not simply rules to follow. They appear that way, but that's not their core design. His instructions were meant to be fused to his people's existence. 
for their ideologies to be connected to their hands, to their actions. God's way of thinking to be connected to their way they live. You see, a sign of listening is actually completed when you see it in action. I know that Eli has listened to me when I tell him to do something and I see it in action. The transaction is complete at that point. Now, delighting in God's instruction is not just happy thoughts about, about it, but it's actually living it. It's about it becoming our whole being, our very identity being the Lord's instructions. So Psalm 1, in verse 2, we're also told to meditate. Sorry, if we go back to Psalm 2. Uh, we're told to meditate on his instructions day and night. Now, it's not about sitting on the floor, my eyes closed, legs crossed, kind of meditating. But this word being used here, it's, it's got this kind of, um, the meaning behind it is, it's like muttering to myself. So me going somewhere and listening to something, but as I leave, I'm repeating it to myself. I'm just I'm muttering it so that I'm absorbing what I'm listening. So this is about constantly pondering on the Word of God, on God's instructions. Now, in reality, do we always do this? Well, maybe you guys do, but I can tell you I don't. <laughs> I fail at this all the time. But the idea here is that we're open to God's teaching, that we're open to his instruction. So the godly person delights and meditates on the word of God and his instructions. And the ungodly laughs at God and has no regard for his instructions. Now the next verses are going to be consequences of listening or not listening. So if we go to verse 3, the person who delights, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its seasons and its leaf does not wither. Whatever, whatever he does prospers. The one who listens to God's instructions like a tree that is planted in the right place. It's planted near its life source. It's planted exactly where it needs to be to sustain it in life. And it is stable. It's a stable tree. It's prosperous because of where it's planted. I really struggled with this verse above all the verses that we're dealing with this morning because... I think it's easy to preach to you that if you do all of God's, if you listen to God completely, that good things are going to happen. Or I could preach to you, good things are not happening to you in your life because you're not following God's ways of living. And there are so many preachers who will do this. But this verse is not talking about health and wealth kind of prosperity. We, so know, we, we, we probably all know personally or know of so many faithful people, faithful God's people, who suffer horrendously 
whilst they're on this earth. For whether it's health, whether it's for the gospel, while we see in verse 1, the wicked and the mockers sometimes do really well. It just doesn't seem fair. But we first, if we look at Jesus as the epitome of suffering, he suffered horrendously for us and he did nothing wrong. He suffered for us who don't listen to the word of God when he listened to it perfectly. We see his followers suffer horrendously because they followed Jesus as Lord. We see the Apostle Paul, he lives a difficult life. He's beaten, he's starved, he goes to jail. If we're honest, this is not the life that we would want for ourselves. So a more scriptural version of prospering, to me, are the ones who trust in the Lord. They are then sustained by the Lord in any circumstance. This is the greater testimony of Paul that we know in this very famous verse in Philippians 4.13 that where he says, I can do all things through him, Jesus, who strengthens me. So the one who delights and meditates on the Lord's instruction, they're not going to live a life without suffering. They may not prosper how we define prosperity in the 21st century. But what God offers is stability in any circumstance because he is unchanging, he is stable, his instructions are unchanging and and they're stable. I think of some of the hardest times of my life as signposts of God's grace and, and his presence there. Even though I felt the full pain of that circumstance. The prosperous part for me was not that I got everything that I ever wanted, not that God removed the pain of that circumstance, but the prosperous part was that he grew his faith in me. My trust in God grew in those moments. So we see in verse 4 that those who don't delight in God's instruction, the wicked, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Now, chaff's not a usual word that you might hear in our society. If you just pull up the next slide for me. So, this is called the winnowing process. This is where you would either throw up a basket full of wheat and the chaff gets blown away in the wind because it's useless. It's got no use amongst the wheat. And we see in chapter, Matthew chapter 3 that John, when he's telling off the teachers of the law, he talks about Jesus as the one who holds the winnowing fork, the one who separates his own from people, from the ones that aren't. This is the way of the wicked. This is how far this psalm goes to point of which one you want to be or not want to be. See, the wicked are the one who don't have any stability. They don't care about listening to God. They are the substantial waste 
that has no use. Now, if this psalm was a person, this is a mic drop moment. Or in the words of our friend Gihan, boom! <laughs> now, in verse 5, these kinds of people, they have nothing to stabilise them in God's judgement. They have no connection to the source of life. They have no place amongst the righteous and those who depend on God and listen to God. Now, it's not talking about now where we're mixed with ungodly people, godly people, Christians, non-Christians, whatever. We're talking when the time of judgment comes. These people, the chaff, have no place amongst the wheat. And the shocking consequences continue in verse 6, whereby the wicked have no connection to the source of life because, and their way is ruined. The ending is to perish. But the Lord watches the way of those who depend on his law, on his instructions, where others depend on themselves or are a law unto themselves. He watches those who accept his instruction. I think of it like this. Whenever my wife and I are in the car together going somewhere, even if it's a place that I have been many times before, she's laughing because she knows where I'm going with this, um, she likes to put the destination in maps on our phone. And it drives me insane that I have to follow this blue line to go somewhere where I know where I'm going, but it's not because she doesn't trust that I don't know how to get there, but we live in Melbourne and the roads are hectic, so Google gives us the best route to avoid the traffic and get there in a, in a timely manner. And, you know, arrogantly sometimes I don't like to listen to the phone, so I deviate off the blue line and Boy, do I sometimes get in trouble from the phone and my wife. <laughs> so, it's almost the same here. We like, to, we like to have our own destination, we like to go our own blue path, and we don't like to be told where to go. We don't put our trust, we put our trust in ourselves rather than something bigger to get us to our destination. Now, the Word of God gives, us, gives His people the destination at the end of where they're going to go. And He gives us a map and where to follow that blue line even though we don't know which way it's going to take us. But the destination is what we need to keep in mind. There might be some red lines and some turns we're not expecting but the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He watches over the way of those who are depending on him. And he will get us there. Now, as we finish up this morning in this psalm, there's a real simple message. It's to listen to the Lord's instruction and to build our lives on the Lord's instruction or to not? See, we've got so many things that we can build our lives on and some of them are good. 
but no matter what we build our lives on, you know, and people do, they build their lives on stuff like a massive value now is family. And that's a really, that's a nice thing. Family is a, a great thing. But if I build my life just on my family, what happens when I don't, if I don't have them anymore? So whatever we build our lives on, it's ultimately either a distraction or it's fallible. And it's not what God seeks for us. And we always will fail to listen to God. We're not always going to build our lives on His Word, His instructions, His law. We're going to face so many challenges in life, in our journeys of faith, so many crossroads that we're going to come to. And we will hopefully not fail God. But most of the times, I think we do. If that's not your experience, it definitely is mine. It's simply our sinful nature. Now, it's so easy for me to talk to you about God's instruction as only a bunch of rules to follow. And I think if we do that, if that's all we reduce his instruction to, then we're going to miss the point completely. You see, Jesus was challenged by the teachers of the law, the teachers of God's instruction. They saw themselves as good because they followed God's instructions strictly to the point where their hearts were controlled by following the rules. Now, they challenged Jesus all the time using God's instructions. And they were missing the point of what the law was pointing to. It was pointing to the one that they were challenging. It was pointing to the one who fulfills the law, the one who, whose heart is the law, the one whose, whose heart beats the law of God. So they were following the law, but they were not listening to it. They were following the law to, to showcase how good they are, their, their self-righteousness. And I think we can fall into this trap as well. So that's why if we deduce the law and God's instructions to just rules to follow, we're going to miss the point. They challenged, these teachers of the law, they challenged God in the flesh with his own law. It's, it's actually quite hilarious when you think about it and sad at the same time. In Deuteronomy 6 that we just looked at before, it shows that love for God comes first before following His ways. Our hearts need transformation to get to that point. But we need someone to do the transforming for us. You see, instructions are dead if they're just rules that we live by. And that's not what God wants for us. We see his people in the Old Testament when they did that. He wants to change their hearts from a heart of stone. He wants not a physical circumcision, but the circumcision of the heart. But here's the good news. That although failure is the story of humanity living up to God's ways and following his instructions, 
that doesn't have to be our story here today. There is someone who has listened to God perfectly and still listening to God perfectly, knowing that we are not going to listen perfectly. He died on that cross so that when we fail to listen to God, we are not met with wrath from God, but are met with grace and mercy. Those who put their trust in Jesus receive grace and mercy and not God's anger. He did this so that now in Romans 10, 9 to 11, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. So what's going to spur us on to live our lives free from feeling the failure of not following God's instructions? What's going to give us the wind in our sails to keep going? It's the heart that God gives us for him. The one that he gives through his son. The grace and the mercy that flows from the ones whose arms are nailed open in reception of those who are willing to receive. So that we can love the Lord our God with all our hearts, our souls and our strengths to love God's instruction instead of being chained by them. We need the one who perfectly fulfilled the law. We need a saviour from the law. One who is the law. One who beats the law in his heart. We need that heart in us so that we can experience freedom to love God. We can experience grace and mercy. Martin Luther said, the law says, do this, and it is never done. Grace says, believe in this, and everything is done already. So as I leave you here this morning, there's one question that I just want you to ask yourselves. Are you listening? Are you listening to what is being said in this psalm? May the Lord bless his word. And thank you for having me up here. Just while we're um, reflecting on the word that Tibor has brought to us, Natalie's going to share a song.
became 